Bandwidth for all shows on the Aussie Tech Heads network is supplied by Aussie Tech Heads Web Hosting. For a fast, affordable and reliable Australian server with fantastic support, contact Aussie Tech Heads Web Hosting at aussietechheads.com.au. Aussie Tech Heads, Australia's best hosting service. Another week, Aussie Tech Eds. How you been this week? A lot of rain around up here on the Gold Coast, so uh, that's all good. Grass is getting a drink. Aussie Tech Eds is brought to you by the Aussie Tech Web Hosting Company. Oh, it's huge. It's massive. If you want to get yourself involved, go and get a web hosting space on uh, Secure Australian Service. So they're nice and fast. You know, the fastest things you're going to see around this place. And it's at athwebhosting.com.au. Look, I've even got a graphic for those on the video. Yeah, yeah. All right. So tonight, let's welcome... The hosting panel, and it's all and everyone is Jace. Hey, Jace, that's that's hey, it. How's it going? Me Someone's on the happy pills there, aren't they? <laughs> it's just me and you tonight or this week. How you doing? Yeah, sorry guys, it's just us. <laughs> <laughs> doing pretty well. Yeah, I've been playing around with my VPS and decided to host my um, podcast um, video files from my own VPS rather than paying somebody else overseas to do it. Uh, it was a pretty good account, but we had a couple of problems now and then. So I thought, mm. um, why am I paying them 25 US a month when I'm already paying for a VPS in Sydney, which has got 80 gigs uh, hard drive space, which take us forever to fill up because our shows are only about quarter a gig each. And then um, unlimited bandwidth. So yeah, today I, um, first time in my life, installed a web server called Nginx. I think oh. I mentioned something about it uh, last week. But uh, I'd never done anything with it. But uh, all the jobs that I see lately uh, require experience with Nginx and uh, Chef and Puppet, which I've never done either. So I managed to score a bunch of ebooks and real books on Nginx and Puppet and Chef and right. installed Nginx today with PHP, MySQL, and WordPress. And that all went pretty well. Got a lot of learning out of it. So, so very Engin interesting. Yeah, so Nginx is not like a variant of PHP or, or Linux. Is it just uh, is it just something completely different? It's another web server like Apache. Yeah, okay, or, right. Or IIS that uh, Microsoft have. Oh, okay. And so, so far, so good. You happy with it? Yeah, yeah. yeah Apparently, nice. it's very smart, uh, very fast. Um, Netflix uses it to um, I'm not sure if it's uh, probably not for their streaming, but for their uh, website and also WordPress.com apparently use it because it's so fast with quick response and can handle multiple connections much better than Apache. So mm, why nice. not give it a go? It's one way to learn and I needed a web server on there anyway. So time to learn something new. That's right. Yes. Uh, look, we've got comments in the lounge. Uh, the PA, he's there saying that's a nice lightweight HTTP server. Yep. So there you go. And it was made in Russia for the Russian uh, web mails over there. Oh, nice. Well, we've got a, I've got a Russian story coming up later on. And also, uh, look, you might hear us talking about the lounge. The lounge is where you can come and watch us record the show live. You want to know how to do that? Just go to aussietechs.com.au forward slash podcast. And all the information is there before your little beady little eyes. So you can log in there and uh, come and watch the show. Join the lounge. Comment live as we go on with all useful comments like that one that... Uh, 
PA's just done. So good on you. All right. Well, let's uh, kick it off, eh? Let's kick off with the first story of the week. Uh, the source code for MS-DOS and Word has been released by Microsoft. So that's uh, that's probably no real big deal. Microsoft, because it's so old, but Microsoft has released the source code for MS-DOS and the original Word for Windows. Both have been released to the Computer History Museum in a bid to help scholars understand how these iconic pieces of software were built. Uh, now, here's a quote here from the Len Shushtek, chairman of the museum. We think preserving historic source code such as these two programs is key to understanding how software has evolved from primitive roots to become a crucial part of our civilization. Yeah, so uh, Microsoft has made the source code of the t of two versions of MS-DOS. Uh, MS-DOS version 1.1 and MS-DOS 2.0. Now, MS-DOS 1.1 has less than 300 kilobits or kilobytes of source code. That's, uh, that'd fit onto one floppy, I would imagine. So... <laughs> Not very big at all. Well, you'd be able to do a DIR and maybe a format A, and yep. <laughs> you'd be right. You'd be off on now a there's way. a letter I haven't heard in a long time. <laughs> format A. That's right. C, yes. D, E, F, G, and Z and things these days, but yeah. no A's or B's. No A's and B's. I remember the old A and B days. Oh, those are the good old days, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, my yeah. uncle's uh, first IBM had only two floppy disk drives with a five and a quarter inch, and you put That's in right. the OS in one, and then boot it up and then you take that disc out and put in the, um, what do we have, WordPerfect 5.1? Oh, the nice blue screen. And you have uh, two two discs in there and it was pretty cool. First time I saw a virus too, he managed to get the stoned virus on his computer. <laughs> oh, nice. And I was like, oh, it, was, it yeah. comes up with like something wonderful has happened. You're like, oh, okay, what's that? And then I learned out later it was a virus. It's a virus. <laughs> yeah, so look, I don't know. I don't guess that you would know either jace but ms dos source code for ms dos what's that what would that be written in that'd be just all zeros and ones wouldn't it would that... um possibly possibly it could have been written in assembler but maybe even uh, early version of c it's hard to say mm, so do you think that, that that'd be is that worthwhile like... yeah i think it's great for historical purposes a lot of Programmers would love to get their hands on uh, any of Microsoft's source code. It's not going to help them hack <laughs> DOS these days because I don't think anyone's going to be doing it. But uh, it's very interesting, and I'd uh, love to have a look through it myself just for the heck of it. I think um, Apple released um, some source code for, like, Photoshop 1 or something a yes. while ago. Yes, the uh, so, Computer History Museum has the source code for several other landmark pieces of software, including the first version of Photoshop and Apple II DOS. So, yeah. So, Apple II DOS. Yeah. You, don't really, you didn't really get into the Apple II DOS, did you? You got into the Apple Basic. Apple Basic, but, yeah. But not into yeah. the actual DOS, yeah. The source code for Windows, uh, the first release in 1989... Uh, Word for Windows, excuse me, for uh, first release in 1989, and the MS-DOS 1.1-2.0 are uh, both released under the non-commercial use. I fail to see what you're going to commercialise out of that these days anyway. And there's a link in the show notes. If you so wish to be like Jace and go and have a look at the, the source code that pretty much started it all. Started Bill Gates off and running, didn't it? It even has a license agreement that you have to agree to before you can download it. That's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, so uh, version 1.1 has got seven assembler code files and an exploratory email from Tim Patterson. 
and 27 files, some binary programs, some sample files, and two point, uh, the 2.0 source, 118 text files, mostly assembler. So yeah, it was written in assembler. Yeah. So can you can you um, can you write in assembly? Can you read assembly? Oh, I used to back in the day. Z80 on my VZ200 was the first assembler I did. I bought a book uh, called Programming the Z80 by Rodney Zacks. It was a really big, thick tome. And I used to read it every day on the bus because I was a geek back then and had no life. <laughs> and I had like an hour trip on the bus every morning from home to school. So I read that and uh, eventually it got uh, dog-eared and fell to pieces. So I bought it again. Mm. And uh, a lot of the stuff in there went straight over the top of my head. But mm. after a while, you started mucking around with actual files and trying out things and got the hang of it and then when i got a commodore 64 i uh, switched over to 6502 programming in assembly right and uh, had an action replay cartridge plugged in the back and you could just <laughs> press the button on there and then it had a built-in assembler and you just started typing away so i made a few little demos and things like that it was pretty cool yeah nice i remember when i was a bit younger yeah a lot younger when i had the time yeah i, I got a book out of learn binary can you believe it? <laughs> i'll tell you it was hard it was just like it was like for the letter a or something you know it might have been zero zero and letter b was like zero one or something some crap like that it was so so difficult i, I never learned it i learned uh maybe learn a bit of hexadecimal but that was just as hard you know, and <laughs> that was just crazy stuff as well. But, yeah, so uh, go and have a look at MS-DOS. And uh, 1.1, I think I came into IBM's around MS-DOS 3.1, I think, my first my first uh, brush with the MS-DOSes. And then, of course, there was, what were they rip-offs, the, the DR-DOS and the PC-DOS? Are they rip-offs or are they actual uh, re rebuilt sort of proprietary DOSes? Rebuilt based on uh, the original one, I'd say. Right, I'm not yeah. currently paging through the uh, source code, and and I better close these windows and get back on with the show. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, we could see when you just close the windows, we could see all the source code just uh, reflection just went zapped out of your face. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we could see it reflecting on your your glasses and your face. Yeah, Interesting well, <laughs> well, yeah, I'm going to go and look at I'm going to look at that show note. Uh, later on, and if you're interested in the show notes, uh, it's uh, AussieTechHeads.com.au forward slash show notes. Take off my reflective. <coughs> oh no, that's all right. Don't take them off because of that. That'll confuse them. <laughs> what glasses? What are you talking about, sir? I have no idea. Now, bloody. Jeez, oh, I hate Apple. <laughs> it is so dumb. I might have scored something. If I'm really lucky, um, apparently they're going to start testing out uh, MacBooks at work and so they want to send a few technicians off to get training for Apple operating system and networking and applications and also hardware training. Oh. So I was like, oh, 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 Mr. Katea, Mr. Katea. Yeah, well, you, you'll get that and you go, uh, now I'm moving to Melbourne. <laughs> yes, which is why they probably go... <laughs> We're not going to train this guy because we know he's leaving. <laughs> All right. Now, I don't know what happened there, but let's hope that that doesn't affect everything. GarageBand just give me an error, but it looks like it's still... I'll just push a little record. We'll testing... Te oh, yeah, we're back in colour, so it might be all right. Sweet. 
Okay, that be, might be right. Okay, well, we'll go again. I've got it on the video anyway, just in case. Fingers crossed. <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, Jace, what do you got for us this week? What, uh, what tweaked your interest through the well, week? Well, my four, first story is a little bit of a downer. The man behind the famous Windows XP wallpaper wish he negotiated, negotiated a better licensing deal. Oh, well. <laughs> the default Windows XP wallpaper containing the rolling green hills, blue sky and fluffy white clouds may be more recognisable than the Mona Lisa, but it earned its photography photographer a pittance. Charles O'Rear, now 73, says he wishes he negotiated a better deal with Microsoft when he licensed it to the company, the launch of the operating system more than 13 years ago. While he won't reveal how much he was paid for the photograph, a stock image library item at the time, he said it had been licensed to earn even... He said, had it been licensed to even earn just a fraction of a cent per copy of Windows XP sold, he would have earned much more than he did under the deal he struck. If I'd known how popular it would become and how many computers it would have been on, I should have negotiated a better deal, he said. Just give me a fraction of a cent for every time it's seen and that would have been a nice arrangement. It was not a royalty-type situation. It was a flat, here's what we're paying you, thank you very much, and let's get on the computer screen and get moving. Mm. Technology commentators recently estimated that Aria's photograph, which Microsoft chose in 2001 as the default wallpaper for its XP operating system, had been viewed by no less than 1 billion people. If all 1 billion purchased a copy of XP, which of course they didn't because they had other ways of getting it, <laughs> and Microsoft paid Aria only one cent per copy sold, he would have made 10 million bucks. Oh, well, I think his name says it all. What an ass. He yeah. should have. <laughs> what's, he, what's he coming out uh, now for? Hindsight's great, isn't it? You want to be same yeah. as that guy who uh, sold his Apple stock for 800 bucks when he's like, this place, this company's going nowhere. I'm out of here. <laughs> mm. But I mean, like, why, why now? XP closes next week or whatever. So in two weeks, like, why come out now and go, oh, you know, I should have got that 13 years ago. Oh, poor Sour me. Grapes. Yeah, that's right. When I was 60. <laughs> You know, so he would have he would have probably rubbed his little hands together when Microsoft come along and give him probably two hundred bucks for it. Yeah, it reminds me of the guys who um, were stars of the show Skippy in Australia. Oh, yep. And yep. They, their contracts were written before syndication existed, so uh, they got paid for doing their acting. And uh, if it was shown on the Australian televisions, but if it was shown anywhere else in the world, which of course it was seen by millions of people for years, mm. they didn't get a cent of that because their contract didn't say anything about syndication. So one of the guys took them to court to sue them, and the judge like the contract doesn't say anything right. about syndication. I think the like, same. But it didn't exist. I didn't know they were going to make millions off me. Well, and that's I get right. Nothing. Yeah. I think the same. No, I could be wrong, but what didn't the same sort of apply with Get Smart? I think Don Adams took shares in the show rather than no he took royalties but a lower pay or something like that and i'm pretty sure the same happened in another australian show prisoner i think yep. the the character b smith that character whoever what val val lehman she yep. decided she'd take a lesser weekly pay uh but so, but signed up for more royalties so apparently that's the uh, yeah that's the yeah, that's right, and everyone's all jealous of her because she come swanning into all the prisoner booths, you know, going, "Oh yeah, look at this!" And uh, everyone's going, rah, rah, rah. "Yeah, well, you know, George Lucas had the right idea. He didn't take much for the actual shooting and stuff, but he uh, said that he'd get all the money for merchandise." And he was like, "Yeah, right, merchandise is going to buy stupid pictures of people holding up a flashy stick and, yeah. and a, a great big uh, monkey thing and mm. spaceship." 
and stuff. Nobody's going to do that. He's like, oh, well, just give me a big percentage of it. Like, sure, mate. Good on you. <laughs> now, getting back to XP and uh, Mr. O'Rear, go home, uh, is uh, XP hackers. Now, this is what interests, intrigues me, this story as well. XP hackers ready to pull trigger on 8th of April. We all know is when XP is, yes, uh, getting, well, not put down, but it'll still work. But Microsoft will cease to uh, be put down. <laughs> cease to uh, build, uh, make patches and all that sort of stuff. So Australian technology security firm Pure Hacking has warned that hackers have malicious XP attacks ready to deploy and are merely waiting for the 8th of April to target the vulnerable computers. Now, surely there must be some law around that if you know of a crime that's going to be committed, don't you have to go and say something? Like, how can, they, how can they, these people know and just sit on it? And then what? They're just, going to, they're just sitting on it, sit on it, sit on it, come April 9th, <laughs> we told you so. <laughs> Boom. Yep. Hack, <laughs> so, hack, hack. Yeah, so... Uh, so make sure you've got a firewall and antivirus and anti-malware and don't worry about it. Yeah, any computer on XP is a sitting duck, says Chief yep. Technology Officer at Pure Hacking, Gordon Madam. Madam? Hmm. It just takes one compromised machine sitting in the Windows domain to bring down the whole system. Madam also said that the vulnerability of point-of-sale devices and ATMs is a serious concern. Most, He says most ATMs are running XP and they clearly haven't upgraded yet, he said. Australia has abandoned uh, Windows XP faster than the rest of the world, according to some reports. And but according to Symantec, the support period has been extended to 12th of January 2016 for devices running Windows XP embedded. Uh, now, now aside from um, ATMs, yes. Now, is Australian ATMs don't run on this, do they? Uh, a lot of ATMs run on XP embedded, but the thing is, they're on an isolated network that uh, would be very difficult to get into unless you're on the inside already, anyway. So, mm. yeah, he says uh, Pure Hacking advised customers to segregate XP computers to its own network or zone uh, to contain any security breaches. Apply whitelisting uh, on XP machines to only allow trusted software to execute, and disable all unnecessary programs and settings on XP. Now, while we are still on XP, here's something quite amusing. Criminals rob Windows XP ATMs via SMS. That's nasty. Now, um, according to Symantec, again, Windows XP is the OS behind 95% of the ATMs and is being targeted by increasingly sophisticated attacks that use a mobile phone to gain access to cash points and and force to cash points and force them to dispense money to mules. Ah, oh, love that word. You're a <laughs> mule, a cash mule, uh, working for criminal gangs. Now, <laughs> the stupid. This get this. Now, Jay's had the right right advice before when he said, you know, you really got to be on the inside, and you do because listen to this. So, ATMs, SMS. Get the cash out there. Sweet. Who wouldn't want to be signing up for something like that? Who wouldn't want to be a mule? So, but anyway, uh, it's not as easy as that because uh, using uh, where where is it here? Uh, however, the blah 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 blah. blah. Yeah, uh, and the money. But anyway, it come. I can't see it in the in my notes here at the moment. But anyway, what the thing was was it's not as simple as going up and to the infected machine or sitting back and, and SMSing it. He said the, the, the mobile bank. You have to you have to have a mobile phone inside the ATM, plugged into the USB port, tethered to the machine. It's got to be inside the ATM so you can send a text to it. If you're already in there, you might as well just see if you can break into it. If you're if you're already in there, just take the cash box. 
Well, you're going to get more by taking that and running than waiting for the machine to spit out, you know. Well, how much would a cash box, that must hold, look, they would, in 50s, that'd have to hold, say, $70,000, I would reckon. Yeah, make sure you take the 50s, don't take the 20s. Don't take the 20s. Remember when the ATMs... point? Yeah, the ATMs used to spit out fives. Tens. Oh, tens. I remember, I remember fives. Back in the old days. <laughs> oh, look, it's a, it's a night of, uh, it's a week of reminiscing. Uh, yes, yeah, so, but how's that? You've got to have a phone inside the machine. Like, come on. But anyway, they reckon this is going on in South America. Where is it going on? South America or somewhere. Hasn't, I don't think there's been anything over it. Yeah, in South America late last year. Um, but according to Symantec, the hackers have developed a tool with English language versions and a modular architecture that makes it more flexible. Uh, yes, yes. So that's quite silly, isn't it? Yes, very <laughs> silly. You've got to be on the inside. Like, I don't know. Some some hackers just need to smarten their act up, don't they? All right, let's see if we're going to get an error this time. There goes two stories. I know, I know. No, I mean, while you've been going, I've been thinking, oh, there's only two of us here. I better go find some more stories. Oh, look, oh. Microsoft's <laughs> going to release the source code from MS-DOS. I'll put that. Oh, crap, he's done that one. Oh, okay, look, you can SMS an ATM. I bet. Oh, no, oh. he's going to do the SMS. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I got him first. No, no. No, no. Bastard. All right. Yeah, I'll put that there. Put this back in my ear so I can hear Jason glorious stereo. What? Yep. All right. Uh, now. Don't forget the Aussie Tech Radio. AussieTechRadio.com. Wall-to-wall 24-7 tech shows. This show, Aussie Maxone. Uh, techwebcast.info. Two boys talking tech. You got the idea. It's all at Aussie Tech Radio. A-U-S-S-I-E. TechRadio.com. Or just uh, link off it uh, from the Aussie Tech Ed website. You'll be right. You'll find your way, I'm sure. You just uh, open it up in your little iTunes app on your phone or Shoutcast app. Uh, tune in and you'll just uh, join the stream. Just join the stream wherever it's up to. You uh, jump in anywhere you like. Okay, uh, Jace, what else have you uh, got, please? Well, I've got a little uh, trick. Um, have you got uh, Google Search installed on your mobile? Oh. There's a little uh, Easter egg that I found out about this week. Well, I'll see I, if no. I can get it uh, loud enough on my microphone for you to be able to hear. But it's to do with the Konami code. Right. Up, up, down, down, left. Right, left, right. Cheat mode unlocked. Unlimited free Google searches. Right. Did that come through all right? It did. But Google searches, isn't Google searches free anyway? Yeah, that's the joke. <laughs> but you get unlimited <laughs> free Google searches if you unlock your Google search with oh. up, down, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. <laughs> <laughs> Happy days. Happy days. <laughs> Yeah, all right. Well, I don't know. Can you get you probably Google search? I don't know. Do you get that on the iPhone? Yeah, a little. It'll be a separate app, not built into the OS like ours is with a widget or something. But oh, uh, right. you should be able to do searches with it like that. It's pretty cool. Yeah, right. Okay. All right. Cool. Back into the stories. <laughs> the communications watchdog has formally warned Optus, "Don't do it." Over its poor <laughs> handling of an IT error that caused more than two hundred thirty-seven thousand customers to be billed for a voicemail transcription service that they didn't even request. Oh. 
Mero, which dated back to April 2009. Oh, we only just found out about it five years later. Sorry about that. Oh, yeah, right. It was discovered in July 2012 and not resolved until September, even though Optus began receiving complaints from at least October 2011 and most likely even earlier in Australia, uh, ACMA reports said. ACMA said that Optus' sluggishness in identifying and resolving issue contravened the telco industry's consumer protection code. The error caused the telco to accidentally charge postpaid mobile and small business customers for a service called ShorePage, a voicemail alternative that diverts unanswered calls to an operator who relays a message via SMS. According to Optus' website, users are charged $1.20 each time the operator takes a call. Telco went public with the area in October, issuing a public apology and pledging to refund the $8.8 million it accrued as a result, but not the um, interest made in their bank account where all that money was. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry, what, what did they do with the money? Did they, what did happen with it? So when public, issuing a public apology and pledging to refund the it accrued as a result, that's BS. That will never happen. About 30,000 customers will receive refunds of more than $100 and a few 30, further 30,000 will be refunded between $50 and $100. The remaining 175,000 will receive refunds of less than 50 bucks. Well, what about if I, I left off this like a year ago? Then, yeah, I've been Sorry, overcharged. Mate, you'll come back here, we'll give you money, okay? Good deal. <laughs> I'm going down my local shop tomorrow to see what goes on. Talking about shops, Kogan. We all know love and we all know and love Kogan, don't we? Oh, Rustlin, he's a funny fella, isn't he? <laughs> he's opened a, a physical shop in New Zealand. No way. Yeah, a yes. Uh, when was it? Wednesday, last last Wednesday. Online retailer opens his store. Chief executive and founder Rosalind Kogan. There we go. Told CRN which is a magazine, newspaper, online thingy, bobber, that while there would be local New Zealand staff hired to assist with the operation, it would be managed from the Melbourne headquarters. Chief Executive and Founder Ruslan Kogan told CRN that while there would be... Oh, I double-pasted that one. Okay. <laughs> I just like repeating myself. But yes, Trying so... to stretch out the story a bit, aren't we? That's <laughs> <laughs> right. not enough text, we'll just say it twice. Nobody will yeah, know. we'll just say it twice. No one will anyway. know. I think half the people go to sleep anyway, so it doesn't matter, does it? It would just be like subliminal reinforcement. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's all right. He's uh, apparently all the big ticket items, uh, like TVs and stuff, apparently aren't available yet, but uh, he hopes to have them available soon over in uh, good old New Zealand. I think it's going to, from all accounts of what I've read, it's going to ruffle some feathers. You know, he's making all these products a lot cheaper than what can uh, you can buy over there at the at the, at the the moment. So, yeah. Very hard to be a bit upset. Is he in New Zealand? He'd have to be. I suppose so. Yeah, I guess so. Well, he wouldn't be like, yeah, well, we'll see. Ruslan, he's shipping out of Hong Kong, isn't he? You know? yeah. is, is, the, is, is he paying all his GST? Oh, Jerry, he's going to have a sleepless <laughs> night tonight. <laughs> oh. He doesn't want to go broke. How's he going to feed his racehorses? Well, that's right. That's right. Look, the Won't somebody please think of the horses. <laughs> Do you ever look around and you think, like, we've had a, there was a store up here uh, called, I think it was Clive Peters. I think it was. Yep, remember that? Yeah, and he closed down, went into bankruptcy, liquidated, and all this sort of stuff. And then, like two weeks later or something, you find that that Harvey Norman's taken over. So I think, isn't it strange? Like that, it's the same shop selling the same things in the same place, uh, but someone else can make a go of it. 
I, yeah. That, yeah, that just <laughs> must show that the, the rename them domain. Nobody will know it's Harvey Norman anyway. Well, that's right. I didn't even know how to change until I went in and bought something. And I went, what? Harvey Norman? I didn't know you guys were here. I thought it was still the old mob. But anyway, uh, Microsoft, here's a, here's the story of the week. Microsoft searches Hotmail without a court order. Now, do they need one? So being seen that it's their own servers and computers? Well, apparently not, according to uh, this guy. Read the TNCs, guys. It says they can do it. Yes, yes. Well, it is their own service. So look, I'll start with. I'll start off by saying Microsoft says it's legal for the company to search customers' hotmail correspondence without a court order after it admitted rifling. Rifling. Oh, they must have got their fingers at it. They rifled <coughs> through the account of a blogger accused of receiving Microsoft trade secrets. Now, former Microsoft employee Alex Kibilako. Alex. Yeah, Alex. Alex K is currently facing criminal charges after he was accused of leaking details of Windows 8 to a blogger in French. He apparently was leaking some source code. Uh, and and stuff like that. So that's not yes, and he had it on SkyDrive, didn't he? The stupid idiot. If you're going to do illegal things, don't do it on the servers of the company that you're stealing from. No, no, exactly. Now <laughs> he's uploaded it to SkyDrive. He's talking to them on MSN Messenger, and he's discussing stuff through Hotmail. These are all Microsoft products and yeah. Microsoft sites. Oh, he loves it. He loves it. That's you know he wanted to get caught. He was he was being he was depressed. You know he needed. <laughs> he needed some notoriety in his life. Now, the uh, where was I? The Mr. Alex K is also accused of stealing Microsoft's Activation Service Software Development Kit, a proprietary system used to prevent the unauthorized copying of Microsoft programs. In addition, law enforcement accuses Alex K of leaving large portions, leaking large portions of Windows 7 prior to its release. Now, according to the uh, Seattle Post Intelligence, Microsoft was aware of Alex K's activities early on and confirmed its suspicions after allegedly tracking his online activities via a Hotmail account under an assumed name. Investigators tracked down Alex K by correspondence with the unnamed French blogger. His actions came to light when the blogger tried to confirm Alex K's leaked code with a second Microsoft employee. <laughs> ah, gotcha. Is this really still in code? Yeah, is yeah. This, hang on, let me just check with my superiors <laughs> about that one. Is this code right? Are you guys really writing this? Is this true? Instead of confirming the legitimacy of the code, the second Microsoft employee, according to this Seattle Post Intelligence, notified investigators within Microsoft. Corporate investigators tracked down Mr. Alex K's Hotmail account, which was under a false name, cross-references it with a public forum post re regarding Windows 8 Hotmail fixes hmm so microsoft vice president general counsel frank shaw defended the search claiming it was perfectly legal for the company to search its own service courts do not issue orders authorizing someone to search themselves since obviously no such order is needed shaw said in a statement so so even when we believe we have probable cause it's not feasible to ask the court to order us to search ourselves <laughs> basically well, you could. Uh, yeah, look, I, I can see the argument there. Makes a good argument. But then again, you know, the, the your emails, the, are they private? Should they be private? That's the question. Now, I suppose... What you, if you're being naughty? Well, yes. But then you look at, on the other hand, there's Microsoft's uh, responsible for a page called Scroogled. I don't know if you've heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard of that, Jase? Yeah, too much. 
Oh, okay. Well, I've never heard of it. Uh, so called Scroogled. Now, apparently on this Scroogled page, you've got things like uh, where uh, Microsoft set it up to say how good Outlook.com is compared to Gmail. And all over the place, it's... Um, because uh, all email service providers protect your inbox by scanning for spam, phishing attempts and malware. But not all email providers use the words from your email to show you ads. Here's a comparison between the two of the major free web-based uh, companies. That's Gmail and Outlook. Now, Gmail uses words from your sent and received mail messages to display targeted ads, scans mm. the content of your entire inbox to identify themes and trends for ad targeting, use words for email messages sent to you from other email services provided to display. So as you can see, Microsoft's up Google for the rent on uh, on uh, email reading, I suppose, well, although done by a robot. But uh, yeah, when it comes to searching through their own, rifling through their own emails... It's, uh, they do it themselves. <laughs> that's right. They, they do their own rifling, and uh, they got well, two little okay, guys yeah. on it. Not done by those those bad robots, you know. Yeah. So, what do you reckon about that, Jace? Is it okay for Microsoft to do this, or that should be not on? I think once you start doing illegal things, you lose all rights to everything, including privacy, dude. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Look, I think so. Like he signed up for the the email address. As you say, it's in the terms and conditions. Uh, obviously, the you know the the information. Probably, you know, probably or everyone's information probably belongs to whoever the email provider you signed up with. So uh, I'll cloud it, you know. So yeah, pff, yeah. Look, I don't know. He, he shouldn't have done it like that. He should have done it off, yeah, off host or somewhere, you know, just somewhere completely. Yeah, just somewhere completely different where it was more untraceable than what it was. But yeah, but anyway, I would still have to look, but they'd have to get a subpoena first. So that's the only difference. Well, yeah, well that's right. Yeah, it was just easy because it was in their own backyard. They just yep. open up the lid and go, ooh, <laughs> yeah, baby, we got you. All right. Uh, what else have you got, Jase? Well, um, Octus, oh, Oculus VR virtual reality co-founder Palmer Lucky called Facebook's $2.2 billion purchase of his virtual reality headset company a move that will help transform industries. But some fans weren't so upbeat. Case green apples across Twitter, gaming websites, and Oculus's own blog. Players and developers panned the company's decision to sell for at least 400 million in cash and 23.1 million in shares of Facebook. Hmm. One was an investor in the company's Kickstarter fundraising campaign and said he felt he was betrayed. Facebook executive, uh, chief executive Mark Zuckerberg, and Lucky said on Tuesday that joining forces will push virtual reality into the mainstream. Feedback suggests that they'll have to convince game developers that Oculus will still be a great place for their titles after the deal is done, particularly among those counting on working with smaller startup stage company. Swedish game programmer Marcus Persson, who created the popular block-building and busting title Minecraft for computers and mobile devices, voiced his displeasure in a post on Twitter. We were in talks about maybe bringing a version of Minecraft to Oculus, he said. I just cancelled that deal. Facebook creeps me out. I did not chip in 10 grand to see the first investment round to build value for Facebook acquisition, said person in another tweet that later appeared to have been deleted. I definitely want to be a part of VR, but will not work with Facebook. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of people against Facebook, isn't there? Is Facebook, yep. is Facebook going to go the way of MySpace, do you think? Eventually, but they seem to be, you know, holding on by their fingernails for as long as possible and buying all sorts of weird things like the Instagrams and mm. things like this just so they can try and stay relevant to the young people today who are apparently leaving Facebook in droves. Oh, where are they going? Snapchat. 
Oh, really? I didn't yeah. like that. No. That's rubbish. But, but you can't, there's no history, is there? No. <laughs> <laughs> that's the point of it. Not, well, technically, well, yeah. technically, yes, but uh, as yeah. far as everyone's aware, no, it all just vanishes magically into the ether and never to be seen again. When this mouse doesn't work properly, stop. <clears throat> File, save. All right. Oh, scooting through. Scooties. Done in no time. Scooty, scooties. Don't have those those other people distracting us. Uh, that's right. Yeah. What am I up to? Geez, we might have to pat a few of these out. <laughs> uh, okay. I think I found I got... a few more to tag on the end there. Oh yeah, I'm sure we'll think of something. Uh, all right, what's the lounge doing? How you going, lounge? Oh, Milo's stream's crapped it again. By the look of it. No. Nope. Over right. the Easter break, I'll be MIA, so hopefully you'll have someone around. All right, when's that? Easter. Uh, starts about the 4th. So, should be here next Thursday. Okay, cool. And then not the, probably the next couple. All right, cool. All right, I'll put that in my little brain. Um, so this will be, what's this there, 30, 30th one, end of the 30, start of that one. So probably 30 here, I'll go in here. Okay. Uh, um, We'd, we'd invite you to like us on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Aussie Techheads where you'll find wondrous amounts of things. Uh, for example, free iOS apps of the day. Normally you would pay for, uh, but that, for that day they're free. So you can go on, go on to the Facebook page. It'll pop up on your phone if you like us the, the right way and you'll go there straight to the App Store and get that game for free. So why don't you do that? So uh, iOS apps and Android apps and all this sort of stuff. If there's anything particular important of that day, yeah, I'll put the iOS. Jace puts the Android ones up and yeah, good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. So they've been going all right, Jace. You've been banging away there doing the free ones. Yeah, there was uh, one a clone today of the uh, four picks one word type game. So if people like that kind of thing, get it free. Why not? That's right. Yeah, there's also sometimes there's also other things like you know there's a there's a couple of games or something for that day they might give you a free twenty dollars worth of I don't know shields or something. Yeah, I don't know, something like that. Whatever. You might get a security app or something that tells you statistics about your phone or cleans up temporary files, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's right. So have a look out for that. Now, here's something that that is, um, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, crazy. <laughs> now, in Ireland, there's a there's a guy who owns a funeral company, and he's going to stream his funerals live on the internet. So there you go. Bit of a... Uh, Play on words, isn't it? Funerals and go live. Mm. They are offering to film memorial church services and burials for the benefit of mourners who are unable to attend the ceremony in person. Well, I suppose it's fair enough. I suppose it's probably a good idea, you know. Like, there would be a lot of people that can't attend funerals, especially if they're overseas, and this is exactly why this guy's doing it. That guy. Their target clients are Irish immigrants who are unable to travel home. As we said, the client will be charged a fee to view the funeral proceedings online. Now, it's apparently, it's, it's, well, he says it's going to create up to 10 new jobs over the next 18 months. So that's all good. That's got to be good. The businessman came up with the idea when he was asked to make a DVD of a memorial services for mourners 
who could not attend their loved one's funeral. He now provides live footage and audio feeds of funeral and graveyard services after securing permission from the family of the deceased and the parish priest. Now, Mr. Fowdy, jeez, Mr. Fowdy, said that the live stream service was password protected so as to ensure only people who want to see it will see it. I don't know if you have too much concerns there. <laughs> I don't know. I suppose you'd... Well, I don't know. Why would you want to tune in and watch a funeral? I think if you're overseas, oh, yeah, maybe you would. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. You'd have to, you'd have to wait till that, till that situation was upon you, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, all right. Uh, Jace, what else have you, you been up to? Just for you, I had to put in a story that mentions your favourite game. The flappy bird is no longer the word. The latest craze is a puzzle game called 2048. The game requires players to pair tiles containing similar numbers together to create tiles with larger figures. The ultimate goal is to add up enough tiles to get one worth the total of 2048. But the user must do so without filling up the playing field and preventing him or herself from making any more moves. The game was created by Italian developer Gabriele Cirelli and it's playable on the web via computers, smartphones and tablets. There's no dedicated app and it was inspired by two other games released earlier this year, 10, 24 and 3s. 2048 has Twitter users buzzing about the puzzle game while Google Play and the Apple App Store both have been inundated with clone versions (laughs) of the game, of course. Currently, the top free game in the Apple App Store is one called 2048 that was not created by Cirelli. 2048 seems to have filled the void left by Flappy Bird, a game that had risen to the top of the charts before its developer suddenly yanked it from the digital stores last month. Since Flappy Bird was removed, numerous clones of that game have been released, but their popularity seems to have begun to finally die down and be replaced by clones of 2048. Uh, That's the the new rage, eh? 2048. Oh, I'll have to have a look at that. Is it like Sudoku or something? Well, uh, from what I gather, you get a couple of numbers on the screen, like a two and a two. You put them together, it turns into a four. So if there's another four there, you put the two fours together and that becomes an eight. And then eventually it just keeps doubling until you end up with 2048 as the last one. Oh, I see. Right. Right. Oh, that's interesting. If you're into binary, it's, you know, <laughs> right up your alley because everything <laughs> is uh, two, one, two, four, eight, sixteen, thirty-two, sixty-four, 2, 4, 8, 16, 32, 64, etc. Yeah, well, there you go. All right. Well, I don't know. That does a bit too much for me, I think, at this stage in life. I think... You have to actually think <laughs> and not just press on the screen, go flap, 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 flap. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen that? Is it a, what's that game? I don't know. It's on the iOS. Is it called Splats or something? Yeah. Um, it's smack. Is it smack? S M A C K. It's it's a you got to smack these gugs. I don't know. <laughs> You've seen it. It's just great. Oh look, it's loading. How much have you been smoking before you came on this show? <laughs> oh, how much have I been smack that gug? Play. Hey, look. It's so these little uh, you know those things in the arcade games where they pop up from the 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 panel. Pac-a-mole. Yeah, and you got to you got that mallet, and you got to smash them back down. Oh, I think it's uh, pretty much like that. And so, look if I can just lot of. It's got a nice little thing on it, you know, music. Bouncy, yeah. bouncy. You got to you got to smash them. <laughs> <laughs> and when you do, you, when you smash them, they go. Bleh. <laughs> it's not bad. Uh, Smack, I think it's called. That's what it says here. Smack 2. I think that was one of the iOS free ones of the you know the day. Smack 1 and Smack 2. So, yeah, go and have a look at it anyway. If it's only a dollar or something, it's worth it. Uh, now, here's one. 
here. Now, look, I can't see the sense in these drones, you know. Like, everyone's going, oh, let's deliver pizzas by them and let's you know, deliver textbooks and all this sort of stuff. But now a drone almost collides with the Westpac rescue helicopter. So that's it's all, you know, they're only one in every, what, 100,000 people have got one and already it's already nearly crashed into a chopper. One of the two Bell... Uh, Bell 412 choppers, the Westpac Rescue Helicopter Service operates, was involved in a near miss with the unmanned area aerial vehicle, or the UAV, near its Newcastle base in New South Wales on March 22nd at about 10pm. So like, that's that night. So mm. what's the drone doing out at night? So during the flight, according to the uh, investigation, the chopper crew spotted the UAV at about 1,000 feet above ground level. So that's pretty high, uh, yep. when, uh, which then uh, they swatted above ground level, which then turned and tracked downwards towards the helicopter. So the UAV was well above its maximum allowed altitude. Drone pilots need approval to operate above 400 feet. So, yeah, so that's the rule. But, yeah, imagine flying your helicopter around. <laughs> <laughs> See this little thing buzzing over beside you. You'd be going, what the hell is that? And why would you have to take evasive action? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't your blades just chop it to pieces? You'd think so. I saw recently uh, there was a video where these people had hooked up like a mini helicopter to an uh, inflatable Superman, and they're flying it around <laughs> the beach and buzzing over people. It's like, watch out, here comes Superman. <laughs> like, <laughs> here he comes. I don't know. But I don't know. These drones, look, I don't Why? Why? I think they. I don't think they should be legal. Stuff them. What, what would what would happen if you got one in your front yard? Wouldn't leave you alone. It's the flavor of the month. <laughs> yeah, everything I suppose. Drone everything. But how would you stand if, say, somebody someone did want to annoy you and they did drone you out in drone up in the in your front yard? I wonder what would happen if you went up and like you know got a block of wood or a shovel or something and smacked it out of the sky. Baseball bat. Yeah, yeah I wonder who's liable for that. You know, is it just bad luck because someone it was in your On my property. Well, but do you own the property above ground level? I don't know. You don't own it three to feet below. Level, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like uh, um, uh, what is it? Whatever, whatever. All right, I don't know. I forget. Speaking uh, of the drones, <laughs> I just noticed um, at its March 14th to 18th meeting in Anchorage, a seven-member Alaskan Board of Game approved a measure to prohibit hunters from spotting game with uh, drones. <laughs> Well, the practice does not appear to be widespread in Alaska. Wildlife troopers said the technology is becoming cheaper and easier to use, so they're sending up a drone to go and look for things that they could shoot. Oh, dear, right here. Next thing you know, they'll be putting guns on the bottom of the drone. Yeah, so, well, well, you can, it, it's all right. Then you can go hunting when it's raining or something, right? Why not? Why not? Just sit at home. Have... Sorry, Jace. It cut me off. <laughs> Well, I thought we might as well take it while it's there. Oh, geez. What are we going to talk about? We might have to finish up early, this one. <laughs> we might have to... Uh, I've got two more there. Oh, okay. Well, we'll, better, we'll talk about those because I think I'm finished. And what do you got? You've got this Adam Carolla and the Google. Okay, well, let's just... Plug on against the podcast patent troll. All right. Uh, how do I get a picture of that? Let's try. Hang on. Let's try and redo this and go. Oh, no. Let's just try and get that URL. Open link. I'll copy that link address. 
And I'll put that over here. I can do things you like copy-paste, you know. Menti. Oh, it's great. I love it. What a great invention. Yeah, it never was on the iPhone when it first came out. No, true. True that, true that. Or on uh, the Microsoft ones. All right. Yeah, Jase, you got uh, you know, talk to us about trolls or something. Yeah, it's another one that hide under a bridge and watch your trip tramping across them, but uh, this one might even <laughs> affect us. Ooh. Adam Carolla is joining the fight against podcast uh, podcast patent troll. Patent troll personal audio has sued top podcasts, including Adam Carolla and How Stuff Works, claiming they own the patent for delivery of episodic content over the internet. Oh, Adam Carolla is fighting back and has started a fund anything campaign to cover legal fees. From the fun ending campaign page, if Adam Carolla loses this battle, then every other podcast will be quickly shut down. Why? Because patent trolls like Personal Audio would use a victory over Carolla as leverage to extort money from every other podcast. As you probably know, podcasts are inherently small, owner-operated businesses that do not have the financial resources to fight up this type of assault. Therefore, podcasters we know them today would cease to exist. I don't know. Would it, is it, it wouldn't work get to that stage, I don't think. Um, but it seems pretty serious. This story's been around for a little while. Um, I can't see... How can they patent it? You'd have to read what the patent is. Like I think they might have bought an old patent that uh, says uh, something to do with um, delivery of episodic content on the internet and... Uh, Something with, you know, vague terms so that they can say, That's oh, well, we'll apply this to podcasts. It's a good idea. Everyone's doing that. Hmm. Instead, the whole podcast industry would just shut down and maybe somebody would launch a new technology that doesn't isn't covered by that patent so that uh, everyone would just resume in a new way with new apps. Isn't there like something, surely there's something called like a public interest test or something, you know? Like, is it in the public interest? Well, yes. Oh, yeah, right. Usually trumps everything, but uh, mm. you have to prove that there were podcasts being published before the patent was granted and that get somebody to um, rule I mean, that the patent isn't valid, which is what this campaign, I guess, would hope to do. But episodic content, I mean, like, uh, is it, do you, I don't know if you know much about the actual thing, but is it like, just is it just audio or like episodic content could mean a, uh, a cartoon, a comic strip? Everything, yep. So, as long as it's delivered in a certain format, yep. Yeah, right. Because I would have thought, yeah, okay, you might have had a bit of a go if it was maybe, you know, delivered over an RSS feed or something. But this, the pattern that they're sort of, you know, hinging their bets on here, it seems to be very extremely broad, doesn't it? Like with the terminologies and and so forth that it's ask, uh, that's dealing with. That's um, usually the way they try and get away with it by making terms so broad that the patent office isn't exactly sure what it is because there's a lot of complex terminology that's technical and stuff. Mm. And they go, oh, yeah, well, that sounds original. We'll grant that. And then... Uh, well, do you think that they're actually trying to get in the back door of Apple, you know, get in the back way there? Because like, Apple obviously created the iPod podcast. And so if they can, <clears throat> they can say, okay, well, we've got a claim. Oh, excuse me. I've got to have a little drink here. Little little on on show drink of water that is oh yummy now um, I forget where I was going yeah going in the back door for of Apple you know because they might say well look this is what you guys have done you've you've taken our patent away you, you've infringed our patent you know we own podcasts which they weren't called podcasts it's but we the own uh, patent issued on February 7, 2012 is quite broad and describes a system for disseminating media content. Representing episodes in a serialized sequence. Well, that could be a blog. 
That could be it's the internet. <laughs> it's the internet. An episode. As long as there's media content in episodes in sequence, that's it. So from now on, we're going to record all of our shows out of sequence. Next week is episode four thousand. Yes. The week after that is two hundred sixty-nine thousand four hundred twenty-one. Stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. So we'll we'll get there. We'll get to episode five hundred one day. But yeah, look, that's no uh, that's no that's no good. I think uh, who are these people? Don't they have any bloody common sense about themselves? They see dollars, that's all they care about. Yeah, I know, I suppose. Yeah, so who's, can you give us, who is Adam Carolla? Can you Adam give, Carolla? Yeah. He's a very famous uh, actor and comedian over in the US. He used to be on The Man Show. Right. And so. He's doing podcast, The Adam Carolla Show, and a couple others, actually. All right, so he is a podcaster himself, and that's why. So why pick on him? Because he's famous. He's got mega bucks. <sighs> yeah, that'd be right. That would be right. Unfortunately, it? it turns out he's going to use his mega butts to fight the patent instead of giving it to them. So mm. they sort of missed out there. <laughs> so yeah, right. So, uh, but the, the I suppose the the worrying thing is, so say he spends his mega bucks fighting it, but at the end of the day he wins. He can't retrieve any of those spent funds from uh, from the the instigator. Some court costs uh, he could get because often the courts will award uh, to. The uh, defendant, the costs that he had to pay to lawyers and that to uh, fight against the, uh, the what the suit. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, that's that's uh, that's how it goes. So what's um, yeah? Well, Leo, you know, people like Twit, the Twit Network, and all that sort of stuff. They'd be yeah. He's been talking about this before as well, and he's still uh, concerned about it. Yeah, how concerned do you reckon? Like very, or? He's mentioned it quite a few times that he's worried about it, but uh, it's. I guess he'd probably throw he's... a few bucks Adam's way as well. So. Yeah, well, I think uh, like Leo would have a lot more to lose because he's he's making a living out of what he's doing, isn't he? So he's yeah. he's got a, obviously a lot more to lose. I can't see how they could they could win that. I really can't. I, I suppose you've got to go through the argy bargy, but I can't see how they could. They could win that. I wonder if it'd be possible, you know, for the court to say, well, you know, this is rubbish. And by the way, we declare this patent void and null and void. Get out of here. Rip it up. You know, <laughs> you would hope so. Yeah, rip it up. Get it away. Get it away. Get away now. Get away, get away, get away now. Ah, oh, I don't know what's up with my left eye. It's driving me nuts tonight. All right. So you got one more story, Jace. Hmm. Do you know anything about that HTC mate? M8. Yep. Yeah. HTC One Mate. Oh, we could talk about that if you want. I don't know much about oh, it. Okay. I know it's been released today and it's got a lot of cool features. You see the um, dot case? The dot case? Yeah. Let's see what? if I can find a picture for you. HTC One M8 dot case. What's a dot case? I don't know what a dot case is. The new, oh, I can see the news for the dot case. Yep. A dot case. HTC designed. Oh, I've got a picture. Yep. Do you know about it? Uh, only that's got this dot case, but it's supposed to be a really, really good phone. A lot of people have been talking about, but um, I don't know much about the specs and things. All right. Okay. Well, let's... So what is it? It's just a case with dots on it. Yeah, so it can show information while the case is on there through the back of the phone. So it's only, I think it's like OLED, so it's very low power. So on the back of it, you can have this low power 
screen with some dots showing you some information and then on the front of it it's got the normal display that takes a lot more power if you turn it on all right okay well okay we'll uh uh we'll we'll briefly do that then real quick (laughs) (laughs) okay join the dots on the dot case this is this is what i've just been exposed to the dot case i don't know if you guys have heard of it but jace you know a tiny bit about the dot case uh what what the hell is it yeah, it's uh, there's a magnet on the front cover of the case hidden behind the HTC logo enables case mode. Once the phone recognizes what's going on, it'll flash the time and weather on the display. It looks like a series of dots shining through the back of the case when you hit the power button or double tap on the front. Very cool. Adjust the volume with the flap closed and you'll see that too. You've got a phone call, you'll see who's calling and you can swipe up or down to accept or reject the call or mm. just hold the phone up to your ear with the case still closed and you can take the call. It also has swipe to launch the voice uh, voice dialing too, yes. so it works displaying by displaying what looks like eight bit images made up of dots, like a dot matrix printer, with the cover closed. All you can see is the dots. So, it's uh, yeah, I guess it's a very low power screen that just shows dots through the back of it. But yeah. uh, if you want to, so you can see the time, you can see who's calling and stuff without actually turning on the uh, more power hungry front screen. Of the uh, HTC One M8. So yeah. Now the, the yes. When was that launched? This week. Yes. Now it's a it's the best Android phone that has ever been created. Apparently. Oh, that's yeah. written by HTC. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but this is what's so weird. Not biased. It's all right. They're not biased. No, that's right. Uh, okay. There's a, there's a review here of that, and that's what it says. Uh, who who did this review here? Uh, this is where we need Will. He's the he's the Android one. Zach Epstein. Oh 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 oh. No, not that one. <laughs> In a follow up, I explained that the M8's design is absolutely the best thing about this great phone. It's stunning, solid, and ergonomic. The new brushed finish on the gunmetal grey version is beautiful, and covering up all of the phone's fantastic design details might be considered an atrocity against good taste. Well, it would be. I, I've seen of images of these these M8s. And they do look really nice. They they do look really nice. There's there's videos around of tear downs and all this sort of stuff. It just intrigues me how they people just buy phones, tear them down straight away. It's great. Uh, but HTC's new dot view case is just too cool to ignore. There you go. You've heard it from Zach Epstein. <laughs> Wherever you are, Zachy, I hope you're having fun with it. All right. Now, uh, what do you got to probably pretty much finishes off with, Jace? Yeah, Google Now has finally arrived on the desktop. Google Today announced Google Now is being pushed to the Chrome stable channel for Windows and Mac starting today and rolling out over the next few weeks. This means Google Now notifications will finally be available to desktop and laptop Chrome users in addition to Android and iOS. To turn the feature on, all you need to do is sign into Chrome with the same Google account you're using for Google Now on mobile. If you use Google Now on multiple devices, you'll need to manage your location settings for each device independently. Cards will only be visible on your computer if you use Google Now on your mobile device and if you're signed into Chrome. The ones you can see are a subset of Google Now's mobile cards. They include weather, sports, scores, commuter traffic, and event reminders. Mm. Some cards may be based on the location of your mobile device, which is hopefully near the computer you're using, but others will work independent of location. Hmm, I remember you telling me ages ago about the Google Now and I thought I'd download it on the iPhone. And I did. And it was just a piece of pus. It didn't do yeah, anything. It's not, on, it's not good on the iPhone because they can't get uh, hooks into the OS. But, you know, on the 
on the Android, I don't uh, tell it anything that knows enough information based on my email account that you log in with, things like that. So mm. if I go to the airport and I'm there to uh, go on a plane or if I'm picking up someone from the airport, I look at my Google Now and it says uh, plane is on time or plane delayed or plane cancelled because it read that there was an itinerary from Jetstar or Qantas or um, Virgin Blue or Virgin Australia it is now in my uh, email. So it uh, brought that into Google now and then it contacts the Jetstar website every now and then and gets a refresh of the information for that particular flight. And it even has a picture of a, you know, Sydney here, Brisbane there and a plane slowly moving across from one side to the other. And then it'll say uh, landed five minutes late or something like that so that you know when it's going. That is just out of control. I, I, I actually deleted the Google now off my phone. I'm just going to punch it back in. And just see, or I'll see if I can download it quickly and just see if it was, uh, if it's improved any. But yeah, yeah I told that the rough location of where I live and where I work. So whenever I open the device, it's got cards there saying uh, at home, uh, temperature and weather for today, where you work, temperature and weather. And uh, in the afternoons, when I'm ready to knock off work, it'll say, oh, um, due to current traffic, if you drove from the office back home, it would take you an hour and a half based on uh, current traffic on the M4 or something like that. So mm. it knows where you're going, when you're going, and uh, gives you some information. It's very cool. Yeah, it looks like it's probably got a few more things in the Apple one uh, than when I last looked. Uh, it's got, but it's still mainly, it's just all news. Top stories, local, world, country, business, technology, entertainment, blah, blah, blah. Then weather, it's picked up uh, Rabina, which is right. And then others, real-time stock, like, God, give me a break. Yeah, if you're into the stocks and your uh, favourite sports teams, you can put those in there and keep you updated. Okay. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. So what you do is you go in. So what do you got? Well, there's nothing else in here. Traffic map, transit map, bike, bicycle map, weather map, Craigslist app, deals app. That's pretty poor, isn't it? Yeah, yeah you can't do a lot with your iPhone. No, not much is. It. Yeah, not much is going on. Whatever happened to Waze? That, who you some, got bought by Google? Yeah, because that was pretty good. You put me onto that too. Well, not that I use it a lot because I don't know how accurate it is, but it's quite. It's fun. Yeah, you know. Yeah. No, it's been rolled into Google Maps now, and you can get uh, some uh, notifications of people who've reported that there's traffic on the road or an accident or something like that, so that you know not to go that way and can automatically get routed around it, which is great. Because I, I like what I like using it for is you could say like I could say to the kids, oh look, I'm I'm driving home or something, you know, I'd be away somewhere. I say I'm driving home, and so they'd get on uh, uh, Mum's iPhone and they could just follow me on the little map. You know, yep. <laughs> as I come home and, oh, he's coming out down the street. Yeah. <laughs> and all that. Let's run out. Dad, we want money. Dad, we want money. Yeah. I mean, we love you, Dad. <laughs> I mean, where's the money? Go back inside. <laughs> <laughs> ask your mother. That's right. Yeah, I'm no good asking her. Then I've got three people asking me. <laughs> yeah. <Hell. laughs> yes. uh, all right. Um, nothing else to report, Jace. I think that's just about brought us to the end of the show. Uh, nothing else that I can think of. Uh, that's about it, isn't it? I don't know what happened to Will tonight. I didn't get in contact with him today, so so he's probably still at work. That's the normal. Must have got lost on the way home. Yeah, that's maybe he needs Google Ways. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. So your podcast is going good. The Obsidian Loft. Yeah, we record another show on Monday and uh, had a look at a, another version that uh, we hadn't uh, done on the podcast before called Terra Firma Craft, where 
people have uh, put a lot of mods in there to try and make it a little bit more realistic. So in the normal Minecraft, when you need wood to be able to make tools and weapons and things, you go up to a tree and you punch the trunk of it, which is not really that realistic. <laughs> so this one you have to, uh, you can punch the leaves and uh, sticks will fall out of the leaves and then you right. can use that with some rocks on the ground that you find and uh get the rocks and chip out the bits of it to make it sharp and in the shape of an axe head or a knife or something like that then you attach it to the sticks mm. and uh, you can't just start fires willy-nilly you have to get sticks and throw them on the ground and then uh, you get a fire starter and you scratch that over it a few times until it catches fire and if you want to make things you have to go collect clay and then make a kiln and fire things in the kiln and uh, make sure they're the right shape and then you can go collect water in them or uh, do metal working in the normal yeah, one, you right. just go and get some uh, get some iron and then you put it in a furnace and it turns into iron bars, which you can then just uh, make into a shape of something and it makes you a pick. But in this one, you have to actually get the rocks that's got the iron in it and then melt it in the pot and then you get the clay and you create a um, axe head shape in there and you have to pour it in there and then it hardens after wow. a while and then you can make it gets really, really involved. But uh, if you're into that kind of thing... Uh, it can be a lot of fun as well. Yeah, right. Wow. Um, so, when, when do you get the time, Jace, to to play and and do and learn assembly and uh, <laughs> and work and uh, learn VPSs? I haven't <laughs> got anything else to do, so why not? <laughs> oh, look, I haven't got much. I haven't got anything like. Oh, I don't know. I just don't have time for anything. No kids, maybe that's it. <laughs> yeah, possibly, possibly. Now, I think, um, what, what did you post to me this week on Facebook? Did we mention that story tonight? Uh, you did, you tagged me into something through the week. Uh, here we go. Here it is. I think it is. It's, uh, I think we did that. Yeah. Oh, no. Microsoft offers a $100 discount to XP users upgrading to Windows 8. Well, there you go. But you got <laughs> You got to spend over. I think you got to spend over six hundred, six hundred dollars on a PC to get the hundred dollars off, uh, cash back or so. You're getting a new one anyway, you might as well save yourself a bit of money. Yeah, did you see the laptops come tablets at Audi this week? No, uh, I didn't see that one. I didn't actually read this week's Audi. Yeah, five ninety nine. They, uh, I think it was a one point eight gigahertz Intel. Celeron, would that be right? Could be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and they snap apart. Uh, I think it was sixty-four gig in the tablet and another five hundred gig in the base of storage. Oh. Yep. Yeah. So something like that. So they looked okay. They look pretty good little machines. Uh, but then I saw some new Acer ones or Asus ones coming out. They were virtually around the same price. So I thought, oh look, before I go, you know, go with the known brand. <laughs> before I go off half cocked, I might just go and uh, do some due diligence, as Mark says, and uh, and just uh, make sure that you know the the Audi ones all right. But uh, look, I've hadn't really had any dramas with the Audi stuff. The TVs, they're you know two hundred fifty dollar TVs are a bit dodgy, but hey, they're good for just to chuck up on a wall outside. They might get a bit pixelated with the footy, but who cares? Yeah, if you just want something for the kids' room or the entertainment room to make yeah. the kids shut up. Yeah, well, yeah well, that's right. One. You know, you have a good six-pack and that pixelation turns to perfection. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nobody cares. That's right. No one cares. Exactly right. Exactly right. All right. Well, that's about all we've got for Jay, uh, tonight, Jace and, uh, and listeners. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming in, Jace. The, thanks the, for listening, everyone. 
Yeah, good stuff. So we hope to see you next week. And you're going to have a couple of weeks off, but you will be here next week, which is great. And I hope to see you then. And hope that everyone, for you to hear us as well, if you're listening on the Phase FM network around regional Australia, 104.5, or on the player.phasefm.com.au, or just go to their website, phasefm.com.au, and uh, I don't know, do your thing, sort it out, search, do see what else is on there and all that sort of stuff. Alrighty, so until next week, uh, thanks for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. See you in a week, guys.